for example, for having Middle Eastern last names. So oh, wow. they said, you know what, we're going to give you American first names. And then they dropped our original because anything with Abdel, typically mm-hmm. people know is related to the Middle East. And so it's like, um, you know, it's, it's so it's easy to connect. And I think they wanted so my my last name that I have is actually my grandfather's first name. Oh, it's not wow. really a last name that's really recognized in Egypt. So they chose really. something that was within the family, though, so that they still had some correct, some correct. family connection. Correct. That's yeah. really interesting. What an interesting process. So, it is. And that's something I think not a lot of people know about or think about that mm-hmm. uh, immigrant parents or families do um, or might do uh, in mm-hmm. order to kind of avoid what they think what could turn into some kind of you know, racism, I, I don't know if racism is the word, maybe discrimination is the word in, you know, being accepted to college or being accepted into, you know, or being hired for work. That's clearly not the same as it was 40, over 40 something years ago. There's a lot more Middle Eastern people here. Mm-hmm. There's not the fear of Muslims in the same way. And we're not Muslim, but they were all afraid people would mm-hmm. think we were mm-hmm. all, of, all of the above. But it's like so, that assimilation pressure. That's it's assimilation. Yes. Which, yeah. Yes very different from acculturation, which is protect your culture within this grander culture. It mm-hmm. try to blend in, mm-hmm. but keep these pieces here. And so it's, it's a confusing, so it, and this is why I never, this is why the CRT, I mean, back to all of that stuff did not work for me because it's mm-hmm. not the context in which I understood my own ethnicity or race in relation to everybody else or mm-hmm. other groups of people. It was a different kind of messaging that I was getting. And um, that changed my experience, obviously, um, mm-hmm. significantly, mm-hmm. because my lens was just different. So I interpreted things differently. Um, well, anyhow. And that's a really interesting point. And I, I think, you know, we're just kind of casually talking about this, but um, <clears throat> it, it really uh, ties in very interestingly to the larger talk topic that we've been discussing in this series of conversations and just for uh, an intro here. Hello, yes. everybody. We're live and we're um, uh, just having a chat. I'm here with Christine Stephen. I'm delighted to see Christine again and have the opportunity to talk again. And we just were having this very impromptu just chat about names and it led into this discussion. And, and what I think is so interesting is that um, as you're, you're pointing out, these are these are considerations that are specific to people who have faced particular circumstances within the last couple of generations of family yes. moving in, immigrating to the U.S., and they're very real. It's not this whole CRT thing. It pays short shrift to this experience by trying to distill it down to this one little thing of this marginalization yes. idea. Yes. But with, within the idea, within the, the compassionate impulse to um, be aware of marginalization or, or experiences that some groups will have that other groups won't have the experience of, there is a core of truth there. There is yes. a core of, yes, people are experiencing things that maybe others won't understand and and it's very relevant to say the counseling education process. And so 
That, that's one of the things that when I took this multiculturalism course that we've spent so much time dissecting and talking about, because it's basically this DEI training, I think that there is a way to do that, that really does make a lot of sense. And it yes. belongs in the curriculum, but it doesn't belong in the curriculum in the way that we're seeing it. I think that's kind of the difference between like the, you know, the, the extreme group, you know, over to the right, very, very extreme. So all of this mm-hmm. has become political and we can't, can't deny that it isn't. And that group that will say it just doesn't, racism doesn't exist. It's been eradicated generations mm-hmm. ago and um, it's completely equal amongst everything and everybody. I don't think that that's, first of all, I don't agree. So mm-hmm. that's one point. And the reason I want to say this is because when I was interviewed for this, for TMZ, you know, there's, you know, first of all, there's a couple of things there that I, that I think are worth noting. I don't want to say it was a mistake, but I, it, because I don't think it, it's ever really a mistake to bring some attention to these things, but it, it's worth noting that the watered down clip. So the clip that was shown, mm-hmm. which was very watered down about what my issue was with what's happening in the field. I mean, they mm-hmm. have this very sensationalized title about, you know, the, the, this new toxicity or, you know, the spreading, you know, through this field, you know, this new model. It's not really a new model. So that's number one, mm-hmm. but that's fine. You know, I agreed to do it anyway, mm-hmm. but they kind of boiled it down to a very, again, not, not nuanced place that was very black and white and didn't give a lot of color. And, and, and that's not the type of topic that you can do in a couple of seconds or a few minutes in a clip on TMZ. It just mm-hmm. doesn't pay the kind of attention or respect to the bigger picture. So when they asked me, so you're saying that like racism, you know, you're saying racism does exist, but it's not an excuse. And that's not exactly what I was saying either. So it was something where they clearly had, you know, an agenda of what they wanted me to say, which was, which is fine. That's what shows do. I mean, we obviously know that, right. They all have angles. And so I wish maybe I, it had been handled differently, uh, whether it was my end or another, because I, I would, I, I was unwilling to say, no, it doesn't exist. My issue is systemic. This is my problem. It's systemic. And that it, in every kind of, you know, relationship structure or model, any way mm-hmm. you cut the pie across the board, mm-hmm. the core, you know, issue here that's embedded is power and powerless, even bigger than no press, no pressure. The wider lens is the power, power lessness. That's the critical, that word critical, mm-hmm. whether it's critical social justice, critical, there's some other term, critical like literature critical or something. Consciousness. Consciousness, yeah, critical, yeah. all these criticals that the word there is just basically what the issue is. And that's that they're talking about in every single part of, you know, our existence. There's um, the power struggle there and the people that are in power win over the people who don't and you can't change mm-hmm. it. And that's kind of the watered down, you know, long story short. And the same kind of thing happened when I was talking to these folks, because my it my 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 point has never been that racism doesn't exist. Not only that, I've experienced it to an extent here and there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that, but it was that to put, use that word systemic and to, to have such a broad view without acknowledging nuance, without acknowledging reasons that contribute to why in certain scenarios or in certain kinds of organizations or situations you may see more racism or racist viewpoints than mm-hmm. in others. Um, you know, that's, 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 that's 
fine and reasonable to know that that does happen. And I believe that, but I will not ever believe or subscribe to this overarching watered down version mm-hmm. that's being peddled along uh, that happens in every single culture. Because personally, I have never experienced anything of the sort in the working profession, in the working world. I haven't, not with my clients, not with the previous profession I had, not with none, none of that, you know, mm-hmm. any of the nuanced, you know, things I experienced, I'll even say 9-11. Okay. So I'm not Muslim, but most Middle Eastern people are, it's just the factual statistic that like 95% of Egypt is Muslim or whatever, maybe it's 93, but it's somewhere along those lines. And I, I, that nuance, you know, um, gosh, I'm so sorry. My phone ran off my hair. Anyway, uh, but, but, but though, but, but, um, when 9-11 happens, what I want to say, my mother in particular, you know, was very concerned. There was a lot of violence against Middle Eastern people at the time. Don't know how widely reported it was back then, but uh, it was happening. And I saw, you know, in my hometown, I was already uh, moved out here to LA and, uh, you know, I had already graduated college and was already doing other things. But when I went home to visit, you know, I saw the businesses where they had written terrorists and stuff all over their windows and backed in windows and all this kind of stuff. My mother told me, you know, I think it's very, you know, scary right now. Please don't tell anybody that you're Middle Eastern. If you have to lie, lie. You can blend in and say you're something else because people Mm -hmm. can't tell, but just avoid it because you don't want to get hurt. That's the one piece, I guess, or one point where it was very in focus that Mm -hmm. something could happen, Mm -hmm. you know, to me because people were taking a radical extreme opposite viewpoint. So that was disturbing. But I want to say, when I told somebody this, a colleague of mine, the response was, and this was not by the person who's Black, by the way, it was by a white woman who mm-hmm. is with me and a Black colleague of mine. And she, the white woman said to me, yes, but people think you're many different things. You can get away with lying. So that's not nearly as bad. You don't wake up Black every day. And then she turned to oh, this wow. Black colleague of mine. And the black colleague of mine said, yes, I wake up black every day. So then it became. Wow. So she kind of threw you under the bus to score points. For, yeah. 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 She did. Mm. So it was sort of utilized in that fashion. And I said, well, um, that's not wow. really, this isn't about comparing. It's about talking about what my experience was. Anyhow, you know, kind of having said all that, the, 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 the layers of all these nuances, I think are ignored. And so when they were mm. talking to me on TMZ, they were trying to see if I was you know, are, are you saying racism doesn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he said something about being an excuse. And I said, it's, I don't even say it's an excuse. I think it's a, it's a, an experience that's part of the fabric of one's life. It's part of an experience somebody may have had or has or whatever and, and, and the, that contributes to this bigger picture. And you and I, before we went online anyway, just now, and I was talking about some stuff going on in my own personal life and, and whatnot, you know, and, and we were talking for a second, you know, that you just never know what's happening to, with people Yeah, that has, you know, that's painful. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, just because they look a certain way. So again, you know, that's kind of what the whole problem with all of that is for me is that it's just dismissive and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it waters down and it doesn't paint a picture that leaves room for, you know, some color of experience. We'll say. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's this sort of trying to answer a bumper sticker with another bumper sticker, because what what we're doing is we're like, here, this is all there is. This is life. Oh no. It's like this. And it's not either. It's kind of, it's messy and it's all complicated and it's true. And when you're talking about systemic, um, 
what I'm what I'm hearing there is like this this monolith that they make racism into. It's this mo- yes. it always occurs exactly the same way, and it's always exactly yes. the same people doing it to the exact same people. Yes. And if your experience doesn't fit that, then it doesn't count. Like what you experienced in that discussion, it doesn't count. But, yes. But even more so, one of the things that really bugs me about this process of of highlighting it's kind of like the comparison thing, which goes back to a discussion that you and I had, um, I don't know, two or three times ago when you were talking about comparative grief and how we can't do comparative trauma, comparative grief. We can't compare one person's experience to another person's and say, yeah, that, that you, you like get a bigger, you know, uh, hug because you, you've suffered more or whatever it is. You can't, we don't, work that way because it's all very individual and experienced on the individual level. But this is inviting comparative victimhood. Yes. It's inviting people into the story. Like I really resisted and I have resisted talking about my own experiences growing up as an ethnic minority and being bullied for it because it's, it's relevant, but it's also not relevant. I shouldn't have to have that badge of experience in order to have an opinion or the ability to see through other things that don't make logical sense. But that's something that's really invited by this way of thinking. It's, it invites people to say, Oh yeah, but me too. I also, or, or I can, I can, I'm that too. And then that invites people in to invalidate you as you were invalidated in that conversation. Yes. And, and we have, concepts that already cover all of this more broadly and more in intellectually yes. in psychology in social psychology we have we know about in-group out-group dynamics yes yes which govern all of these yes. these issues which covers the fact that a white person in china is going to experience yes you know this kind of this kind of experience or you know the yes you know black person in a in a all white yes. at school or something is going to experience yes. this. It's just, anyway, the nuance is 100%. there. So it is. And that was, I think, you know, when that conversation happened with these, you know, with a colleague and it was, um, you know, an, another, it, it was a client, it, it was a client, but not a therapy client. It was mm-hmm. some other work I was doing. And so I, you know, the conversation, uh, as, as it was extremely dismissive and interestingly enough, um, you know, I don't really cry much about these kinds of things. I, I'm emotional in general. Um, this, this is my, in my personality, I, I have always been. But, you know, I don't really cry much about these particular things I did as a kid when I got teased about stuff, whatever as children will, you know, will do. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's painful. Mm-hmm. But um, that actually brought me to tears and to a place I hadn't been in a long mm-hmm. time where I just felt like this little kid, mm-hmm. you know, again, that was, you know, being bullied because I was from Egypt. I mean, they used to, me all sorts of names I won't say on here and um and and there was nobody there to stand up for me you know I mean my parents were like ah just look the other way it's not worth it it's not Mm -hmm. a big deal Mm -hmm. and then it turned it you know and there was one incident where you know I I was sort of teased by these kids and and whatnot Mm -hmm. in my class and the whole class ended up having to write an apology letter to me and that was worse. Oh, wow. So it was like a reparation. Okay. Oh, we wow. want to talk about like what reparation that was so much worse. I was devastated. All I wanted was for them to just stop. And I yeah. just, that was it. I didn't want all of that because it turned it into this big, huge, 
the light was the shined on, me. on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it ever went back to kind of how it was, but this was middle school. I mean, back then we called it junior high, I guess, but this was, you know, junior high, middle school. So mm-hmm. there was plenty of time where, you know, I moved on to another high school and, yeah. and you know, we all separated, but. But when that, you want to fit in. Yes. Making you the center the of attention. It's not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think that it's the first time I've said anything. It's interesting as, as I have these conversations with people, I find myself sharing stuff for the first time. For the first time, just yesterday or the other day, and I was talking to mm-hmm. Stephanie when, you know, mm-hmm. for her podcast, I ended up sharing some stuff. And I went, wow, this is the first time I've talked about it. So this has been very therapeutic for me yeah. in some ways. Yeah. It's like it's Good. gone into the recesses of kind of my mind and my, you know, unconscious components that I haven't looked at in a long time. But um that was that was that was awful. The that that writing of the 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 notes of the mm-hmm. I'm sorry for calling you, you know, a Stand mm-hmm. and then the n-word you know mm-hmm. or camel mm-hmm. jockey or whatever mm-hmm. things that were kind of you know it's not the end of the world okay mm-hmm. but, it, but it made you it, feel bad and it made you feel it, it did different and called out for being different yeah mm-hmm. and then middle east and then being middle eastern mm-hmm. and then you know men being attracted to that became kind of a trend as i got older then it mm-hmm. became this trendy like it was the in thing. I don't know how to describe it where, you know, I started to come across a lot of that when I got older that they, hmm. wow, you know, they're so exotic. And so, mm-hmm. and they just think it's so amazing. And it, it well, that's kind of objectifying. Know, you know, it's like you're a fetish it, instead of a person. It's a fetish instead yeah. of a person, which is why I hate the term pot or BIPOC or any of those oh, yeah. words. Mm-hmm. It's the same. And I, you know, I guess I couldn't put a word on it until just now, but it's the same fetishizing if mm-hmm. that's the word mm-hmm. of, of something, you know, mm-hmm. that is objectifying, that's very objectifying. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting pendulum swing that I had experienced. And then it just all of a sudden became this great, wonderful thing when I was in college and mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say beyond college actually. So anyhow, um, well, I can see why it would make you feel emotional to have that experience with those colleagues, yeah. because you're yeah. bringing up something that has a lot of it's, it's a, there's a long history in your life of this mm-hmm. experience. And it sounds like it's something you don't really talk about a whole lot. So here you bring it up only yes. to have them kind of, it's kind of, you kind of got ridiculed. And so that's humiliating. I and I did. Yes. Yeah. And I, and in front of them, I wasn't emotional. Um, I ended up having a conversation actually with them uh, and said, I'm not, you know, going to participate. Mm-hmm in doing this work with you, um, if this ever happens again, and I went into a whole line, I don't want to give too many details to throw anything under the bus, but I basically had said, if this happens again, I'm out. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a really, and that was a client, you know, that I was providing a service for, but I just don't care. You know, I, I'm, I'm too, I've been through a lot in life. So have you, you know, I'm a little bit older now. I don't, I don't care. It, it, it's something you know, if something is going to feel off for me, I'm going to say something because I know at the end of the day, that's going to matter more. There's always going to be another job or client or opportunity. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. have to hold on to that with a death grip. And yeah. I, so I didn't really care about the outcome. I just needed them to know it was not acceptable. And that was not a conversation that I was willing to have with them again, nor mm-hmm. was I willing for them to bring it to the group that we were working with mm-hmm. um anyway so it, it's it's a different but 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 
So they saw, they saw the side of me that was very boundaried and that's not acceptable. This is inappropriate. And what mm-hmm. you just did and that, 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 but mm-hmm. the emotional side, mm-hmm. the hurt, you know, little girl, you know, was, I cried, you know, quite a bit and felt just horrible, you know, about just being dismissed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. again, under that, that lens, if we kind of bring it back to what all of this is about and why it's so problematic, that space for me does not exist in that lens. Mm-hmm. And when I did that flip or that little mini interview for TMZ, the part they did leave in was about me saying, I'm not white if you can't tell, and I'm a woman. So if we're gonna talk about marginalized or disenfranchised, you know, I, I, I'll have some of those qualities here. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know, so it was, it was such a, it's such a closed loop way of thinking and anyhow, so. So they just really sort of edited it down to fit their, yeah. their perspective and it didn't really do justice to your whole thought process. It didn't. And mm-hmm. I would reconsider doing, you know, if they're, if you're going to have something that says, you know, this is sweeping the nation, sweeping the, the therapy nation, then you don't do just mm-hmm. a few minutes. You do maybe a sit down yeah. conversation. You do some homework and some research and a sit down. And this is what I appreciated about the Bill Maher, you know, situation, even though I haven't been on the show, but the sit down and the vetting of that mm-hmm. in advance was mm-hmm. very um, professional and I think very warranted and, and, and gave a really good sense of what I was going to say what I meant and that, you know, in, in a way that, you know, was understandable and wasn't changed or, or cut down, whether or not it turns into anything, that's, that's, that's okay either way. But there is some respect, a lot of respect that was paid, you know, to, to the, to, to the topic, um, mm-hmm. you know, where it was something to dig into and, and, you know, to even understand why I think the way I do and whatever, and not every Middle Eastern person agrees with me. I mean, that's, you know, so it's, it's, it's just one person, you know, but anyhow, that's kind of the difference. So, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to bring awareness to this movement and whatnot, but at the same time, yes, it was cut to fit a specific thing they wanted to mm-hmm. hear and mm-hmm. the rest of it was just kind of cut out. So, so, so anyway, it's, it's neither here nor there at this point, but um, it, it wasn't something I was so excited to run and tell everybody to go grab the clip. I mean, it just didn't yeah. feel that way at all. Uh, but so much of this, this, this dialogue, this sort of cultural dialogue reminds me that I'm, I think of the Hegelian dialectic. Mm-hmm. I think of this, you know, here's with the you know, thesis synthesis. Yes. You know, and um, I, I don't think one of the challenges, I, I hear this a lot and we were having this discussion in one of my solid ground groups, and we're going to probably continue the discussion this week about what it's, it's good to define what are you for? And yes. so just what are you against? You know, yes. if we're, if we're like this, this so-called anti-woke, yes. whatever movement. And I think I've been thinking a lot about this. And one of the things that, that I guess I'm chewing on is the idea that the ultimate anti-woke is just refusing to be put into a box because individuality yes. isn't yeah. about aligning with a collective. Yes. And so it's very difficult to say, what are we for because that implies a collective we yes. that is for something. And I think sometimes it is okay just to be anti something like you yes. said, when something comes up against your boundaries and you say, no, that's not okay. You don't have to tell the person what is okay. You can just say what's not. 
And what so some point, so that's I, I brilliant, feel, by the way. Oh, thanks. I am glad that's making sense because very much really chewing on this I, because yes. I think that there is a pressure to be like, okay, well define yourselves in terms of the positive instead of just yes. the negative. And the thing I come back to is like, well, what is us? Yes. I, that's the thing Who I have a problem us? with. It's the whole problem of a collective mindset. I'm yes, absolutely of an individualist mindset. Yes. And I think that, that maybe not everybody has to be that way and that's yes. fine too. And that's the ultimate individuality, right? To say that not everybody has to, to see it the same way, but in terms of like someone who works with people and works with people on an individual basis, that's my mind. That's my mindset. That's the frame that I have. And well, yeah, absolutely. We fit patterns, but we're still unique. Absolutely. Well, that's why, and I think that's why therapy, psychology in general is, is just a bunch of theories, right? Mm-hmm. And theories are not fact. There are things that are hypothesized with some evidence, but they really cannot necessarily be disproven or proven because it doesn't happen in every case. That's why the mm-hmm. entire field in general is, you know, there's never, you can never say that's going to happen every single time or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. these other things that fit into the mix. And so the idea of, you know, that, that, you know, and that one thing that uh, one part of the work I did at FAIR when I was actively doing things with them is, is, you know, we put together this video on cognitive bias and talked about in-group, out-group and all of this. And the idea that we have this in-group, out-group structure, you know, it boded well for us at one point in our history as humans, where we needed to be able to identify quickly what group or what tribe or whatever was going to be safe or was us because Mm -hmm. we needed to do that in order to survive and not get killed. I mean, there's some instinctual, you know, you feel more comfortable with people that, you know, look like you or whatever. However, the point we were making and that I make now, even when I was teaching trauma classes is that we're at a point where that, that no longer serves us and it creates perceived threat. They're not actual, maybe Mm -hmm. back in Mm -hmm. our history, evolutionarily speaking, it was a threat because if you didn't, you know, find the right, you know, your right group over here that, you know, you were all fighting for resources possibly, then that's okay. You know, you, you needed to be able to make a quick instant kind of judgment about your environment and understand, mm-hmm. okay, I need to follow those colors. That's my group or whatever, you know, our dwelling might've looked like our dwellings or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not an anthropologist, so I don't have a good, you know, vocabulary about that, but just to kind of simplify it to just extremely basic you know, survival needs, but we're at a point where we've evolved beyond that point to where now mm-hmm. other groups, quote unquote, don't pose threats. So the use of that grouping becomes more detrimental than it does valuable and meaningful for us. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. becomes more detrimental to focus on the collective and the collectivism and the us group than it does on the individual, because we don't, they're not a threat to us in the way that maybe has been ingrained in our DNA from, you know, thousands and thousands of years behind where we did need to think in those terms. Wow. That's such a brilliant um, way to, to sort of demonstrate that pattern Uh, because that applies to individual psychology so neatly, you know, with how we develop adaptations and how we interact with people that serve our purpose at one point in our lives. But then we, if we continue to act like that later, sometimes it can become really dysfunctional. And so yes. that's a really good comparison to um, 
group psychology. Yeah. Yes. So I think that, and that was a, the helpful way to teach about bias when we were doing, when I was doing Mm -hmm. some of those trainings, and then it was helpful when I was actually teaching budding clinicians to kind of put together an understanding of, you know, the, the, the need to, you know, to group and to kind of scan your environment. And then when that becomes something that is perceived and no, no longer serves you, it was, so it was helpful in all those scenarios mm-hmm. to give people something a little bit more tangible to think about why we have that function and why we've evolved past the need to use that function every time. Mm-hmm. And, um, to assess what's actually going to be threatening to you and what isn't and what's the difference between psychologically threatening. So threatening of your psychological integrity versus mm-hmm. physical safety. I mean, mm-hmm. all of this becomes so multi-layered and again, fully flattened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by just these kind of theories that are thrown around, even talking about biases and, and things like that without having context. It's, it's, it doesn't give it the depth of reasoning and understanding there's always some level of truth usually to mm-hmm. whatever we've created in our mind based even solely on just an experience. Mm-hmm. So for us, it might be real, uh, but you know, we have to question at some point, right? So it's as an adult, as you said, kind of what doesn't serve you any longer, mm-hmm. what beliefs don't serve you, what, you know, I don't know, even people, I guess that mm-hmm. maybe you have been associated with no longer serve you. I mean, I'll just, put myself out there and say the kind of people I was attracted to and was dating for so long, what did they serve and what did they ultimately keep me from, from doing going forward? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's all very fascinating. And I think that's a big problem with the flattening of all of this is, you know, there's so many different dynamics Mm -hmm. that we see this kind of stuff happening. And that isn't really there. There's no space for that in that current model. Yeah. Flattening Um, is a really good word for that. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, um, I did, and I, we mentioned this earlier, uh, that I can bring it up now, but I, um, I was invited to speak at, uh, don't, don't divide us an organization mm-hmm. in the UK. I only got 10 minutes. <laughs> That's short. <laughs> it is, but, um, you know, some, it, it's a great organization and a Terra Firm Alliance, which mm-hmm. is your sister their group yeah right? related to solid ground yeah yes education mm-hmm. focused yes so they had um brought in don't divide us who had then brought in a couple of speakers i think that's how it worked mm-hmm. so we talked actually about so we were, we were you know the questions that were posed were about safetyism versus safeguarding and mm-hmm. what the role is of a parent versus educator And so it's sort of interesting because some of the work I did at FAIR prior to leaving was about that, was about talking about, you know, the the role of civil discourse and the importance of of that in a classroom. And it gained a lot of attention and and interest because I think people are like hungry for, you know, the the question that I got a lot, and I still do sometimes when people reach out is, well, do you have any studies? that show the damage or dangers of wokeness. Well, there mm-hmm. are a few out there that I have found through CTA, but in general, there's not as much. And so the idea was to kind of look at the flip side of that and say, well, how can we actually though, without that research, prove that this isn't valuable for kids to have this ideology be seeping into the classroom. So we looked at child and adolescent development. So these are the things that need to be there. We looked at the tenants of this 
you know, woke ideology. And Mm -hmm. then we went, okay, here's the clash. So it drew a lot of attention for us to position it that way. I did a very shortened version for them. Um, uh, at the talk I I did this past on the 23rd, I guess that was last week. So, uh, so my, my portion is why innocence matters. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was a really interesting um, talk to do because I hadn't actually spent a whole lot of time on that particular question and understanding what innocence is and you know the difference between safetyism and safeguarding mm. so it was a really good conversation actually uh, it turned out to be and um, co- is that in the context of child development and education yeah it's in the context of that I the the, the, broad, the broader question and, and thing they were trying to really sort of a, a, you know approach head-on mm-hmm. here is where does the parent role end and the teacher begin and vice versa? That was the very big kind of what is, what is the classroom environment really supposed to be? What, what, what is it supposed to be shaped as Mm -hmm. or into? Mm -hmm. So, you know, approaching from that vantage point, um, the other speakers I think had, you know, quite a bit of experience sort of working within that realm as well. And so I learned a lot from what they shared. My portion, I tried to focus on innocence and safetyism, um, you know, and innocence, which interestingly was defined. So the opposite of innocence is experience. And mm-hmm. I was very interested, you know, to find that in my research that we didn't think of the opposite of innocence as, I don't know, I don't know what another word would be, but it, it was, it was experience. And so the yeah. idea is that it's when William, you- William Blake wrote the songs of innocence and the songs of experience. Yeah, you know there you Blake's go. Poetry, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. That's Isn't a, that interesting? I, I, I didn't even, even put that together. Even knowing that, I still didn't yeah. really make that is interesting that experience is yes. the opposite of innocence because we tend to, I yes. think we give it a connotation of like innocence versus corruption or something. Yes. Instead that's of right. Yeah. yeah that's it, the word. Yeah. Totally. That's exactly the word. Like yeah. that I was thinking myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I'll, I'll forward you, they, they put together the notes from all of our talks so that, okay. you know, you didn't have multiple PowerPoints going around to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, I can forward that to the, sum, the summary yeah. of oh, what our talks. Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting to talk about that a bit and that, you know, safetyism, the overprotection mm-hmm. of kids' feelings or, or the overprotection of, you know, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it, it one, in some way there's this idea of overly protecting them. So everybody gets an A. Let's yeah, remove merit yeah. based grades. Let's remove anything mm-hmm. that measures or judges. Like everyone comes in first place. And so right. they don't learn, you know, how to be disappointed or, you know, how to fail, mm-hmm. you know, versus <clears throat> this opposite end of like, hey, let's teach about, you know, sex at the age of five in kindergarten mm-hmm. and some of the books that are there really graphic um, stuff absolutely so mm-hmm. it's a very dichotomous and I think I spoke about that in terms of just the the, the the boundaries of bringing this stuff into the classroom they're problematic because they're too porous in one way yeah. where there's not enough boundary and the teacher is also part of telling you how, what they think and feel as well so you're mm-hmm. not you know mm-hmm. And you're more likely to probably listen to this authority figure kind of thing. And that creates a, a certain environment, right, in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And they're too rigid because then you can't think any other way and be accepted. So mm-hmm. you have these completely clashing 
the borders are both rigid and porous. That is so interesting. And the way that you're contrasting that it's, I have never really thought about it this way because it is very dichotomous and it's both present. And you've got, like you say this, everybody gets a trophy. We have to protect your feelings. You are so fragile that you cannot be allowed to feel disappointment. Yes. And then, and then at the same time, we need to give you all the information uh, like this about this really yes. graphic adult sort of topic yes. so that you need to be exposed to. Uh, yeah. All walks yes. of life right now at yes. your tender age. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, it, it, it is because I didn't think about it either until I put this together, this mm-hmm. presentation. And I thought to myself, I don't, this is, this is really confusing. I mean, this is actually both. And that is what the entire wow. problem kind of has been this whole time is yeah. that it, it's, it's a class. It's like, it, it's, it's chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> yeah. That's the word. Yeah. It's complete chaos. And, yeah. and I've said it many times and we've said it and, 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 you know, discussed it, but I'm not a different understanding because I, the internal chaos I felt in trying to talk about this mm-hmm. in a way that made sense. Yeah. That internal chaos left me very confused and sort of understanding even deeper why this is problematic for kids. If you have the adults who, who can't are, even articulate it, <laughs> who can't articulate it. Yeah. We're confused. We're yeah. seeing like these two extremes mm-hmm. and we can't put it together. Then how are you placing this on these young children? You know, hence why does innocence matter? You know, why is it mm-hmm. important? Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they need to have the, the containment and the support and the structure from the adults in their lives to be able to use their innocence to develop mm-hmm. imagination and to develop maturation and growth and all of those things uh, without loose boundaries or without a lack of safety, if you will. But mm-hmm. the adults mm-hmm. are chaotically, you know, themselves, you know, in this environment, if we're looking at teachers who kind of peddle this stuff, mm-hmm. where there is no contained space that makes sense that gives enough fluidity. There's not a guiding principle or guiding ethos there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting for me to kind of actually, I think look more deeply into that and understand it from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really helpful point of view. Yeah. Just you being able to demonstrate that internal contradiction. Yes. gives us a little bit more yes. insight into what is so why we, we know that it's troubling, but why yes. is it troubling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's absolutely. So that was, you know, and then there were the other speakers there, you know, again, who were um, extremely, you know, I was very honored to even be asked to be on this panel. Um, so I had learned quite a bit from them as well, you know, who they focused a little bit more on parents in the classroom, maybe in their work Mm -hmm. than I have uh, on a continual basis, but it was a, it was a great event. And, you know, I just wish for more kind of dialogue around those things to happen with people who are professionals um, in the field, you know, to to be able to say those things and, um, and, and have some conversation. And that led into me being able to, you know, Bonnie Snyder wrote a book called Undoctrinated, um, how politics kind of, you know, destroy the classroom and paraphrasing. But Mm -hmm. if you just type in the name of the book, 
uh, and she's the author and I love her stuff and I've seen her articles and things on different, in different areas. And so, you know, I was really thrilled to have an opportunity to, you know, potentially work with her on maybe writing some, some stuff, maybe perhaps putting together, um, an article or who knows what else. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, that was, that was really good. And I, I felt, you know, pretty good about that. Uh, we talked kind of about some strategies for parents too briefly, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big undertaking, you know, what we're trying to do here. And I do have hope that faith that the needle moves. I just, it, it, sometimes I don't, I don't know when I don't, um, I think we've talked about this parallel profession and I think Mm -hmm. that's more likely the answer, uh, quite frankly, as I've gone Mm-hmm. through this that's something you brought up once and mm-hmm. I've sat with for a while and have mentioned in different you know scenarios and I think that you know what you said to me well, makes yeah. the most sense things can start to become too rigid and then it's hard to move them it's hard to move them back you know it's very tough I to do try think to that, do that socially though I think that yes. we're going to see this trend continue in people being more and more open to yes. challenging some of this stuff because yes. it's just at its core, it's very illogical. And I think it took everybody a, a little while as a collective, and again, I'm yeah. individual versus a collective, yes. Yes. but to sort of take our breath and take a look at it and go, hmm, what is this and how do I respond to it? And I think we're starting to see more and more people yes. find the, um, you know, either the conviction or whatever it yes. takes to be able to talk about it. So in, I think, I, I think in a few years, people are going to be clamoring, clamoring to say, oh, I saw it before everybody else. I mean, I, yes. I, I always knew, you know, yes. so I think the tide is turning and we're going to see that socially anyway, this conversation I agree. come to a more reasonable place. And I, I'm hoping that we can avoid some of the backlash. That's the thing that really concerns me is this idea that we will have a pendulum swing because like we, as we started talking in the very beginning of this conversation, this live stream talking about bumper sticker versus bumper sticker. Yes. And what that misses the whole point. I mean, it just misses the entire point of the the discussion that there's a lack of nuance and a lack of credit given to how multi-layered things are as you, when you said flattened, I I pictured, I work with Photoshop sometimes and I pictured all the different layers. And then when you flatten it down to one image that you can no longer do as much with, yes, you know, yes, it reduces your flexibility. Yes, very much. And I, I, I do, I do agree with you. I think there's a lot more, um, especially because as people are kind of speaking out or questioning what's going on, you know, all of these different organizations are sort of sprouting up now Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. didn't exist two years ago, even. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some kind of linking together, you know, to to create kind of this bigger chain is Mm -hmm. in my picture, in my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the more that we do that, I think the more people feel protected and courageous enough to step forward because there's a supportive body behind you. There's a couple of supportive bodies Mm -hmm. behind you. So now we're sort of inter- and we're intermingling with each other. And I think that gives a lot more courage to be able to come forward and, and talk about what, you know, what this is doing. I, my, my main, I think, issue, I guess, or, or distress, I think really is over the, the gender issue and the medical intervention. I think that's yeah, the, the, yeah, that to me, I think is, is, you know, going to be a hard, a hard thing. I mean, I think there's some states that are 
suing or uh, that have sued and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever and, and and whatnot. But you know, I, I don't but, you know, know. There's going to be a generation that's very damaged by this. That's yeah, 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 very damaged. So yeah, I think it's that's really the, scary to think about what yeah. these young people are are yes. going to face going forward and what this is going yes. to do not only to them but to their but to culture. Yes. At large going forward. Yes. With so 100%. many people who've been harmed. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, yeah. I think, maybe, I mean, that's more of a concern to me. I think it's even larger than mm-hmm. the, the the CRT stuff, which I think it's um, kind of, e- it's easier to, to, to make a case for that, but it's also easier to change your thinking about it. The issue with the gender uh, thing, I mean, when you have these kids that are going through transitioning and you just can't undo the damage after that full transition is done uh you can reverse there's the detransitioners but there's so much yeah. loss yeah uh, still, so i think and, that and and it's like the ultimate expression of that that innocence yes versus experience that chaotic educational process where we are going to protect children from disappointment yes but we're also going to open up this i mean i don't even really know how to articulate this but it's kind of like you you are telling these kids like, uh, yes, you can be a boy or whatever it is. And yes, you can be a boy. And then you, you get them to expect this. And then they go down this, this pathway. And at what point do they wake up and go, I never was able to be what I wanted to be. And instead I have made myself a lifelong medical patient and I've got all these problems and I can't have a normal functioning biological life. So it basically kicks that disappointment can down the road Yes. For that to come to fruition late in that later in that person's existence, when you could have dealt with it simply at that time by helping somebody to come to terms with a a difficult thing. I mean, having a body dysmorphia or gender dysphoria experience is really, really hard because you feel, I mean, you just, you, you almost can't accept yourself. And that's a very painful thing for anybody who's had something like that. So, but, but instead of just assuaging that by throwing medicine at it or transition options at it, helping that person cope with that disappointment and come to acceptance then avoids a lifetime of different difficulties that, I mean, 100%. It's such, it is such a, it's that it's it is very you know look without without the medical intervention part you know there's I would still consider this to be a crisis you know and how people are are dealing Mm -hmm. with it but Mm -hmm. I think adding the med the medical intervention is just what you know amplifies I mean just what you're saying I mean it just it it amplifies Mm -hmm. it and and that's that's very true about kicking the can down the road that's all that's happening and I mean Mm -hmm. so so that's such a succinct way of saying it. And it actually is the most truest raw, you know, way to describe it is, mm-hmm. is kicking the can down the road, mm-hmm. uh, to, to whatever issue they're dealing with. I think that's just so, so beautifully kind of put together in a really clear and concise way. Cause that's, that's, that's what it is. And then adding all these layers of additional trauma down mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. along with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of horrifying. So, you know, and I don't know where that, and that was part of the, the conversation on, you know, innocence. That, that, that we did on innocence. Yeah. 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 And I didn't speak much to that part of it, but the other two did. And um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it's quite scary, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's some needle moving too, I think there as well, but it's still, uh, I think we're still a bit away from that. Like you said, a generation at least yeah. is going to be really damaged. Um, it is so it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my, my, it's interesting, you know, I, I, you know, I'll just be open here. I'm dealing with a very ill parent right now. Mm-hmm. I had my one parent die, you know, many years ago when I was in school and, um, you know, you, it, it, it kind of naturally, I think these things happen in life. You, you, well, I guess I'll say me, there's this natural wanting to do, take an inventory mm-hmm. of my life and, and where I'm at and what I'm doing. And so, yeah. you know, we were sort of talking about this before is like, I don't really know what I do for a living anymore kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, because, yeah. And a lot of the things I've done has just been on a voluntary basis. And I kind of sat and thought about that uh, as well. But, you know, I think the big, the big driver is I, I you know, kind of don't ever want to look back and think, you know, when I could do something, when I was in a position to say something, you know, I, I, I could, and I didn't. And mm-hmm. I think that's the mm-hmm. big driver for me mm-hmm. to do all of this mm-hmm. stuff um, and do all this speaking, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it hasn't financially drawn anything in my direction. It really hasn't been about that mm-hmm. as much as it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the I'm watching the reevaluation of life of people who are at end of life stages and how to reevaluate. I, I, I'm watching this. I worked in grief too for a long time. And that's one of the big things, you know, you don't ever hear anybody say, I wish I had, you know, mm-hmm. worked longer hours. I wish I had taken this other job and, you know, made all this money, whatever. It's mm-hmm. typically about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's about, you know, looking at when I had a chance, did mm-hmm. I, say something did I was I courageous enough to, to do that and mm-hmm. interestingly I was talking to Bonnie Snyder about that a little bit yesterday and I said you know if I were at the beginning of my career and still trying to get hours and still wanted to follow this track that's a different position and a different pristine you mm-hmm. know than here where I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of all of that mm-hmm. so that if mm-hmm. I never work in the profession again in that context it's not the end of the world for me. So I can be a voice maybe mm-hmm. because I don't have as much to lose as some of these other folks do. Right. And so for me, it's, it's, that's what I think it's become is when I had a chance to speak out a chance to do that. And I'm reviewing mm-hmm. my life, mm-hmm. making my life's inventory. Did I do it or did mm-hmm. I allow just uh, complacency or fear or whatever to get in the way now, how much, mm-hmm. uh, well, how much is enough? I don't know that that's <laughs> yeah. measurable, but um, well, I think that's I really think that... admirable, and that's really something I admire about what you've done is that you've had the well, the social, the intellectual, and the professional flexibility to kind of move with these opportunities and with these pressures, and so you've been able to follow a, your principles because yes. of those, <clears throat> those characteristics. And I think that really speaks to your resilience, you know, as well, a thank person. You. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, 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 you know, again, I so humbly, I mean, I think also to what you're doing and the amount of attention and you're in the midst of this very public lawsuit. Uh, I admire you quite a bit uh, because I don't think 
I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to do that if I was a student still, or if I was still trying to, you know, it's, it's quite incredible um, for you to have done that, to have built this platform uh, to, to be able to say, this is wrong. I'm going to say something. I, I think that's quite amazing. And I hope you'll take some time to give yourself credit in the middle of all of what you're you know dealing with on your plate involving many things, you know, as we all have in life that Thanks. you're able to take a moment and, and do that because it's not easy, obviously. You, mean, you, ha- you have like the entire, I mean, this is this is a very, I mean, the hotly debated topics we're talking about here, people in my own neighborhood that uh-huh. we have a rabbi that lives not too far from me who had his, you know, car and wife's car were broken into and de- de- oh, defamed no. and de- graffiti and all this because, you know, he has quite conservative, you know, views. Yeah. And very progressive viewed people that don't agree you know there's no more space for that right so they're kind of living in a situation where you kind of they're trying to sort of be you know low-key but Mm -hmm. you know here here you have people doing these kinds of things and and so it it, there really is a safety risk which is kind of it's scary I mean it's weird to even say that out loud but but there is I know I know it's true and and I I feel like so much of that is amplified by messaging that you see online because you end up exposed to these radical things that are happening that aren't maybe happening in your, that you wouldn't know about if you didn't have access to like this world's view of things. And so you can end up with a distillation of the negative, usually the negative and the scary. And um, in my own life, I have, uh, I have a fantastic community of of friends where we can speak we see yes. each other in person we talk right and, and when you talk to real people you're not like sending twitter messages or whatever you really hear that most people have pretty reasonable yes. thoughts about yes. most things i mean yes you can be left you can be right you can yes. be center you can be moderate you can be apolitical yes. but usually you enter yes. into a conversation and people's people's actual thoughts when you hear them in long form are more reasonable than this, yes. this, these extreme examples. And so I still kind of operate from that. Like I really value those deeper connections and I don't want to, um, I don't want to give into the pressure to be left or right or, or I don't know. It's just, it's all about the more complex conversations and, and uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I value that. I like these conversations a lot and and I think that's that- what I love about, you know, you, even the title, you know, of your channel, yeah. the radical center. I mean, I think that's, a, it's, it's, it, 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 it is almost radical <laughs> to be in the center. I, you know, it just, it, it, it's, 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 that's, you know, it's amazing. And I really value that quite a bit. And um, I think that's, uh, it, 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 it is very true that, you know, I ran into John and, you know, my seemed to be a husband and I, you know, uh, went on a couple of trips this past summer and just kind of in our natural kind of just chatty conversational mm-hmm. way, met a few people and got into some conversations. And interestingly, a lot of the people that, you know, we talked to this, you know, I met one parent who, you know, his child lives in San Francisco and he's trying to pull the child, his child out of the school system there in homeschool mm-hmm. because of some of the things going on. Then I had a couple other people that were like shocked that these things were happening. They were completely shocked and had no idea whatsoever and thought this is absolutely unreasonable. And so I think that 
most, I think you're right that most people, a huge majority are reasonable. It's mm-hmm. a matter of just finding those people to some extent, I guess there's such a, you know, narrative that mm-hmm. washes it. But I think that's one part of it. And the other part of it is also educating people that are not in the know that this is actually happening because there was such a difficulty. I actually had to show the video I did for FAIR and a couple of other articles I wrote to a couple of people we were talking to that thought this can't possibly be. And I said, well, Mm. let me show you some evidence. And they were really taken aback. And so I think that's another component too, is that- Mm -hmm. That it's not touching them personally. Correct. Yeah. Not touching them personally yet. Correct. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, so it's interesting. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's important work and, um, you know, I'm always honored to, to do it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, where we go from here. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I'm something in the works possibly with Bonnie is a guide we may put together, uh, for parents or with oh, some wow. kind of treatment structure to maybe sort of challenge mm-hmm. how, you know, we're being instructed to provide treatment now. So we'll see. Well, if you do that, I hope, we get. I hope to hear about it. I'd love to. I, 100%, yeah, I yeah. promise. Absolutely. So I'm digging deep here to, to see what I can come up with. I have a few ideas. I haven't fully formed them yet. So, but well, the, that's you will exciting. be the first to know. Awesome. I'm excited yes. to, to yes. find out. Yeah. Do you want to take a minute to check in on the chat and then yeah. we can wrap up? Yeah. Absolutely. That's All right. Awesome. Good. So I'll just go through a little bit. I won't read everything, but I'll read a few because it's nice to see people there. And and thank you all for joining us and having having this like little surprise um, live stream with us. House of Bad Influence says good afternoon. Byzantine Ladybug says hello. And then also says, uh, especially if you understand how trauma is passed down generations, the CRT model shuts down conversations about multi-generational traumas. I think that's a brilliant point. Yes. Very. Yeah. Uh, House of Bad Influence says, when I was a kid in the 80s, we didn't care who you were as long as you can play ball hockey. Good times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, That's a Byzantine ladybug. That was going to be the other point. The CRT model narrows the world significantly. There are so many oppressed populations all over the world. This model invalidates that fact. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. and then House of Bad Influence says oppression Olympics. I think that was when we were talking about that, that pressure to like do comparative victimhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I was in the middle of writing. I like to take notes on these yeah. nuggets, what you said about comparative victimhood. Yeah. Yeah. And, and House of Bad Influence also says I've been around the trades for years and their sense of humor is distinct. Uh, woman too, maybe women too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Earth, more of a like straightforward. Yes. Earthy humor. I think yes. is what you're probably referring to. Yeah. Uh, CNY photo video says hello to, to us and to everyone. Hello. Glad you're here. And uh, Friar Pestle says hello. 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 Uh, hello. Phil Butcher says what you are for rather than against is what I plead everyone to think about all the time. Great. Yeah. And I, I think it is really important to discuss that. I really do. I don't mean to dismiss that. I guess I just, when I'm, what I'm thinking is like, if somebody's mugging you, it's not your job to say to the mugger what you want them to do. You can sometimes just tell them to leave you alone. I mean, you can say, you can say what you don't want. Sometimes that's valid. And I feel like to then put all this effort into developing a position statement about what 
we, like we, as in the non-woke people are for, forces us, it's a forced teaming, it's a collectivizing mentality that I guess I think there's room for that. Yeah, yeah, there's room for that. And I think it's good to think about what you're for, but I think it's also okay to not be forced into a collective that has a statement of of what it's for. Sometimes it's okay just to say, you violated my boundary. No, I won't. Yes. I won't do the compelled speech. I won't do the the pronouns and I won't check my privilege or whatever it is. Yes. You know, unpack my white backpack or whatever I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one I'm writing down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. I That's great. Uh, Doc, that's great. Um, yeah, I I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's not necessary all the time to be mm-hmm. running around and, and doing that. It's, it's, it's the flip side of being responsible to learn everything there is to know about being, you know, black and for, you know, a black person to say or anybody to say you should already know you should have done your homework kind of thing so I doing your emotional you. labor or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that whole it's you know that no that's the other you know side of it is that no it, it doesn't the onus doesn't fall on us for these things necessarily mm-hmm. I mean I'm not saying about you know and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth here in the last few minutes but I'm not saying about not you know, learning history and, and right, learning right. facts and being mm-hmm. aware, you know, but it's about, you cannot possibly learn everybody's experience or be required to do that. It's not possible. I mean, it's yeah. just, well, it also, it also to suggest that you could is to suggest that there is a white experience or yes, a black experience, yes, which is yes. just, it's just dehumanizing. Yes, very, very dehumanizing dismissive it's all of those things those things do not make people feel better necessarily it's kind of what I was saying earlier too about just it it felt as though I was when I was teased you know this idea of you know I didn't want them to go study Egypt and learn Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. historical fact I think that was one of the suggestions the teacher gave oh really students and I was like oh my you better by yes yeah which was so far from the truth I've never Mm -hmm. been to Egypt by the way Mm -hmm. I've never even been there my sister was born there. She didn't tell me stories. I've never even visited. So my experience of Egypt or learning about Egyptian culture is skewed through several filters. Yeah. Not through my own lived experience there. It's through mm-hmm. stories and it's through, you know, tra- some, some val- traditional values, but that's also mixed in with American values, which are different too. So mm-hmm. it's very muddy. I cannot say, you know, much in that regard because it's very muddy. Yeah. But everything's muddy and that's the whole point. That but, is you know, the, yeah. It's that it's all muddy and that's okay. That's what it mm. means to just be human and, and have so trying to clear all this and that this how to write everything in this beautifully wrapped book mm-hmm. and put a bow on it. I mean, I think there's some anxiety re- relieved in that for people because it creates a lot of certainty by saying yeah. this is how it is and was. Rather it is, than knowing, it's like using heuristics rather than yeah. actually thinking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, I think you're right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Jay Bourne says, "I think it's okay to be part of a collective. However, individualism should always be priority." Like Leslie, I tend to be more of an independent individual myself, but most people really need groups. And then Bill Sykes says, "Good evening from Yalding, UK." Hello, Bill. And, uh, and CNY photo video says he likes the verbiage safetyism versus safeguarding. Mm. Yeah. I like that too. 
And Jenny says, agreed, if you do not owe someone an explanation of what you're for if they cross a boundary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Uh, and then let's see, Seven Sons. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, Seven Sons. This is about making a, a child feel good when they're failing. What kind of an adult would that produce? Yeah. And then, and then he says, a bum. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but I see your point. Yep. And um, let's see, I'll just scroll down a little so that I'm not, because it's longer. So, uh, about House of Bad Influence, the snake is already eating its own tail, just a matter of time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's a way to look at it. I like that. They, um, yep. What is that? The I'm going to, what's the name of that snake? It's the Ouroboros, or Ouroboros. The snake I will not. Tail. Okay. Yes. I will, pro- I will not know, but yes, yeah. I've heard the, the term. Yeah. Familiar. So, I mean, uh, and I think partly too, you know, when you're giving everybody an A, okay. That didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're cutting off the, the ability, you know, I just kind of flashed into how did I learn what I was interested in and not? Well, it wasn't because I got an A in everything that I was interested in, you know, I, you know, would have loved to have been a musician, but I could not carry a tune to save my life. It was never going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. sort of forced me to learn other traits or, or, or talents that I have and, and interests and pursue those. So that's another part of the problem that yeah. just kind of hit me as you were reading is that, you know, if you get, you know, if, if you're not all in first place, as you shouldn't be, it, it forces you to, to, to hone your strengths, hone your strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And discover and explore and be creative. Yeah. You know, otherwise, true. you know, it's, it's, it doesn't give you a chance to do that. Okay. Not everyone's going to get an A here because they didn't all earn that, but it doesn't mean there aren't other things that are, you know, your, your talents that are valuable and useful, you know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't negate that you are still important and special and can bring something to the table, but that's not the way that you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to be Oprah. Really good point. (laughs) Anymore, but (laughs) for a lot of reasons I won't get into, I'll be on the topic alone, but um, Mm -hmm. that wasn't my path. So, you know, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really, really well, well put. Um, Let's see, PJ, PH Joy, too many folks these days just want a quick fix. My parents tended to neglect certain nuances because they thought they could just offer us kids a formula for success, but that's mm-hmm. short-sighted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Aaron Kinsfader, hi Aaron. He says, yes, Christine, that is a pressure. It's hard to cope with the puzzle of the trade-off to speak up or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that there's, and how and where and 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 in the way in which you want to do it. And actually, um, you know, they asked me yesterday, I think I was asked for my social media handle and um, Mm -hmm. I don't have a public social media handle because I'm not fully comfortable um, doing that, to be honest. I I do have some social media, but I do not really use my name. It's a way for me to pass along information to groups Mm -hmm. of people that maybe haven't seen stuff or don't know what's going on, but it is not any interest of mine to be followed by a lot of people and to use that mm-hmm. as a platform to speak mm-hmm. about what I think, because I'm only willing to go up to a certain point before um, I, I, you know, threats possibly that, you know, have happened to people that are close to us, like yeah. our dear friend, not, I don't want to put my own family in that position. So, you know, I am willing to do up to a point of, of being very out there and authentic, but there are other things that I just maybe aren't, I'm not going to say. So I do have some, but mm-hmm. I, I don't use my real 
name and it's not for the purposes of having these involved conversations it's for the purposes of disseminating information about things people may not be looking at and that's it yeah well you have boundaries around that that makes it's my boundary and some people don't you know think that's you know very honorable but it doesn't matter to me I'm not doing it for honor I'm doing it because hey you know if I have a way to say something and not get um censored or or Mm -hmm. deplatformed or thrown Mm -hmm. off all Mm -hmm. of those things you know, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to spread that information. It doesn't have to be attributed to me. Yeah. Well, those are very real considerations nowadays. So yeah, for us, it has been, you know, anyhow. So, yeah. Well, and I'll just um, wrap, I know we need to wrap up. So I'll just uh, read one more. And it was uh, Byzantine Ladybug says, none of us want to be operated on by a surgeon who got through medical school because of equity trophies. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, that's oh goodness. Well that's said. Another, yes, very well mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you Thank guys you. comment. Thank you so yes. much for the chat, all the those, and it's love it. Just yes. an absolute delight to get to talk to you again, Christine. Oh, you too. Always, I always feel very, you know, just so grateful. Um, and and honored, and and honestly, I feel so grateful that we even found each other. You know, outside I know, of me this, too. Um, me too. It's been really big part of my own kind of healing process through what I have dealt with and you know the aftermath of that. So I'm I'm really grateful for yeah, that too. And, and I am too. We've had some great conversations both sure on have. these lives and and off and, off. Yeah. and I and just I I really that. yeah I'm and grateful I, for your the friendship. World is losing an amazing therapist, I have to say. So I am so glad that you are still at least doing something where you're providing because you, you just you, you know amazing skill sets and and oh, uh, I just thank you for letting me just share about my own personal oh I, I love it oh I love it and I I feel good about you know my my ability to still do I'm client so work as a coach good. and I I don't like that and I don't like the word and it's not therapy per se because it's a different model but I still feel like you know, it's you don't healing. have to give up what you yes. want to do just because you hit yes. a roadblock. You can find yes. another way. It's like water. It moves yes. around. I love it. It moves around the barriers. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's exactly what it is. So, you yeah. know, the world is very lucky to have you and the people that, you know, cross your paths are very lucky to have somebody who's able to do the work still, even though it's not under that umbrella, it doesn't matter at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I agree I with, you know, the umbrella is not that important. It's, the support that's important really absolutely and absolutely and i really look forward to the next time we can me catch too. Up. yeah sounds good me too you All take right. good care you too